Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. How you doing this week, buddy? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, we're, we're one step closer to that Joker gun. Yeah, I mean, seriously, and and we're trying to show people appreciation, and uh, you know, use this episode to show off some of the benefits of being an Optimism Vaccine Patreon subscriber. So here we are. And uh, also joining us, Jack Easton. Pleasure to be here. Happy to for this this uh, maritime episode. Oh gosh, yeah. This is this is what the people wanted. Also, it was interesting too because when we ran a Patreon poll, I like how you didn't put like the topic or the movies that we are going to include. You just put basically titles that may vaguely hint at what we would actually be talking about. So. Uh, that's uh, well. I feel like that's what you got to do. You don't just want to list out everything. You yeah, know? yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm a little disappointed because we tried to get people to vote to make you watch like hentai, but uh, hentai lost out. So we can, yeah, we can do I mean, it again. We can make Adam watch hentai. It's still, yeah, it's still on right. the table. It's we'll always on the table. Uh, hentai is always on the table. That's good. If we ever have an Optimus I mean, and Vaccine T-shirt, the back's just gonna say hentai is always on the table. I um, mean, probably better hentai than anime. At least it's honest. You know? <laughs> that's yeah. That's when people say that they're like, yeah, hentai. It's it's all about the honesty. A lot of honesty in that tentacle porn. Uh, man, I I saw something really cool today that I want to share with you guys, and uh, I I think I don't know. I want to hunt this guy down and see if we can get him as a guest because I bet he's got some really good opinions on just about everything imaginable. But I saw a guy, and he's wearing a kilt. And his T-shirt that he was wearing was, uh, it was, it was the Batman logo, but the, like it was the Batman logo was filled in with the thin blue line flag. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is a guy who I I bet really has his fingers on the pulse of America. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, probably more than we do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I, it's cool though that you can you can get like you can get thin blue line anything right now. It's it's a it's a hot brand. Like if you want like a Hamtaro thin blue line, that's available to you. Uh, that's incredible. Really you you can get these. Uh, I've seen multiple photos of uh, like autism awareness thin blue line crossovers, and it's like every other week there's that. a story about the cops shooting someone with autism <laughs> just cause. So it's weird to there. That's a difficult that- market that they are trying to pick up there. What exactly is that? Is it like a puzzle piece, but it's thin yeah, blue yeah, line? like the puzzle piece thing integrated in with the with the blue line, maybe on the same flag. I've seen variations of it. I think there's more than one autism awareness thing as well, but the puzzle piece definitely I, one of them. What what am I supposed to be aware of with that? Like I see that, and I'm like I'm I am now aware of autistic cops. I don't. <laughs> I I just think it looks kind of like a shitty puzzle. Like let's just. <laughs> Seems no. kind of I mean, difficult. It, make, it makes sense. Once, uh, blue line. <laughs> once the police are done with the autistic person, they got to be put back together again. It all makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that does make sense. That's good, man. Okay, well, I'm glad we got that one solved. Uh, anyways, hey, wh- what are we talking about this week? Well, it's it's the the dog days of summer, baby. Well, not really. It's I think summer's almost done, but it's August. It's still hot. 
What do you do when it's hot? You go to the beach. What happens when you go to the beach? Well, you get fucking eaten by a shark. And nobody has shown that to us better than the Italians. So uh, welcome to Spaghetti Sharks, a shark exploitation Italian Jaws ripoff film podcast. And uh, this is uh, this fertile ground, boys. There's Jaws ripoffs are just, they have a long and storied history, to say the least. Um, specifically, I, I think a lot of filmmakers tried to cash in, in, in more legitimate ways, including other major studios. So you had things like Orca or my personal favorite, uh, Grizzly, the Jaws with Paws. But then uh-huh. by the time the, the other ripoff artists got involved, you know, you start getting the lower budget stuff. Uh, then it, it really is just jaws but cheaper and what does that look like well sometimes it looks like a fun little like rubber shark and some stock stock footage and chintzy acting and other times it looks like what i would consider to be wholesale theft and this is interesting to me as well because i know in the late 1970s because of some of the other shark movies that came out universal in particular was very litigious and would actually go after some of these movies and sue the shit out of them but uh, one man, our buddy Slippery Bruno, was able to <laughs> somehow elude lawsuits. And we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but we figured we'd go chronologically here. So the question I have for you is, you know, you've got Jaws. He's a big fucking shark. Where do you go from there? And the answer is an asexual, genetically modified shark to push. Which, yeah, squid shark. So it's a little squid shark. So this you is were clamoring uh, for tentacles, right? We get, we yeah. got it. This is kind of the it's kind of the hentai of shark exploitation. It's <laughs> it's the only movie we're watching today with boobs and with tentacles in it. So that's the closest thing we're gonna get, gonna get to hentai. But uh, yeah, it went under the name Devilfish, uh, also known as Monster Shark, also known as Devilfish, without a space between devil and fish. And it's di- directed by our boy, Lumberto Bava, who's no, no fucking slouch. And uh, story by uh, Luigi Cuzzi, who did, I think, the Black Cat movie. Oh, yeah. Among, the, among yeah. many. He's mm-hmm. worked with Argento and, and done a lot of weird stuff. Oh, yeah. And our homie, Sergio Martino. So it's a real who's who's list of uh, people making trash that I enjoy. Uh, and again, the aforementioned. Uh, shark with oh, must be a great movie tentacles. with this pedigree. Oh, yeah! <laughs> and what what a what a pedigree! What a pedigree indeed! And uh, yeah, it, it, the other thing that I thought was interesting before I get into how I actually feel about the movie is it frequently would veer off into super Italian territory, we'll call it. And this is the only one of the three that feels very Italian in that. At any point, it could just break into a police procedural or a, or a proto slasher movie just at any point. Uh, there's all these like mafia side plots going on, all this weird shit. Uh, but wouldn't you know, it's actually pretty fucking boring. Uh, <laughs> so that I seems mean, boring, to be its downfall. Boring slash chill. I mean, that's kind of my, yeah. well, my takeaway. It's a weirdly it's it's weird because it's like, like you say it's got like mafia and hitmen and a monster shark almost kind of sandwiched into its own movie it barely counts for large chunks and intrigue and assassinations and it still just kind of feels like kind of a hangout movie it just sort of feels kind of chill when i watch it it's very laid back mm-hmm. uh, really it, it interesting is. And energy part of that part of that i think is because 
I, I don't know. It, it is just kind of a hangout movie. And when you got a limited budget and you can't, you know, completely shoot your wad on uh, shark to puss shots every five minutes, that's what you're going to end up with. But the, the little bits that make it occasionally compelling is I, I feel like it's one of those movies where no one put any thought into any care, any of the characters at all uh, to the point where they're, they're kind of caricatures but also like no one is these, like there's no way these people would exist. So for instance, uh, there is a, like a sexy scientist who is threatening to like blow the lid off of this, uh, you know, giant fish debacle that's going on. And she's just a sexy lady who lives in Florida. And wouldn't you know, her name is Florinda. So a lot of thought went into that. And then I am, completely confused by our uh protagonist who seems to be a tv a sexy tv repairman or something yeah i think so who like genius tv seduces yeah a genius (laughs) sexy tv repairman and the hours are posted outside of his shop and his hours by the way are monday through friday 8 a.m to 12 p.m so this guy fucking he's he's really living a euro lifestyle even though he's constantly (laughs) complaining about how he needs a fucking vacation and then, uh, aside from whatever he does, fixes TVs, he just kind of like bangs his apprentice, uh, who he calls, quote, yeah. luscious, juicy, and tender, all in the same sentence. So, uh, an absolute Casanova. But these, these are the people you're dealing with. They're just, you're like, uh, who the fuck well, don't are forget any the of these female people? lead, who is, a, who is a scientist. Well, apparently scientist this movie is this code for like a sea world dolphin trainer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Stella yeah. Dickens, uh, I believe you find her. She's named, uh, yeah, she, she's, she trains dolphins, but she's doing some kind of research into them as well. Unclear how she really, really links in with all this. It's weird looking over IMDb in this cast. It's like half the cast of this movie aren't actually credited at all. I mean, the sheriff's deputy, is he in there? No. No, Cortez well, is his be. name. I need to he know who that Cortez guy is. is that big beefcake. Yeah, he yeah. is a giant. Just they found some bodybuilder to play the sheriff's deputy, and, and oh. he's not even credited. The biceps, the traps on this guy? Oh, my God. There's no way he can fit into, like, a T-shirt. He would just burst out of it. Absolute <laughs> fucking beefcake. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, weird, because, yeah, yeah, uh, it, like, Dr. Janet Bates. That's a pretty big role. Uh, IMDb has that down. Uh, the actress, Darla J. N. Warner, she's not credited at all. There's, like, a whole bunch of people who just aren't credited in this movie, yeah. despite having pretty big roles, which is really, it's just really weird. It just adds to the slapdash nature, though, because I was, like, checking this up, trying to figure out, honestly, why people were in the movie like characters that show up and i feel like did i miss something and it's like no not really it's just there's no particular reason for them to be there and so i was like checking imdb trying to like work out who's who and it was like i, I don't know who these people are because they're not credited they're not there mm-hmm. um there are only nine credited actors yeah yeah in this there's film. definitely more than it's, nine people in this fucking yeah, movie this is this is not that small of a of a film i mean i could see one of the three films recovering have nine credited <laughs> but uh, this would not be the one no it's uh, it's it's really an oddity in that sense and liberto bava's no slouch so it's it's competently directed i guess like it looks fine it's just, it really is just people hanging out on a fucking boat. Uh, you've got your Roy Schneider stand-in. You've got your sexy TV repairman. 
You got a couple of women, uh, one of whom, boy, just the most unlucky lady of all time. They just keep leaving her alone. And every time they do, it's just like, oh, she's been slapped with a hentai tentacle. And then after recovering from that, they leave her on the boat again. She immediately gets fucking plugged by a, a mafia man. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of fucking wild. And I didn't even like what happened to his assistant in this film. That that, that I was like she disappears. I, I think yeah, like quite literally disappears from the movie. Like, like she doesn't she doesn't get on the boat. She doesn't get on the boat at a certain point, and then the rest of the movie's on a boat until yeah, there's go to a, a swamp. moment where she's like being blackmailed by the, the. I don't know if it's the mafia or what by the evil yeah. doctor who created the shark. What well, do you think? There's going to be a betrayal, but then she just yeah. she's just not in the movie anymore. Yeah, she's like, oh, she tries to call the sheriff, and he's like, I don't think you'll be called the sheriff. And then she's apparently that meant she was killed because she's just gone from the film at that point. But it's yeah. never really like remarkable. Well, no one about. seems to give a shit. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it sums up it sums up the movie because yeah, I mean, I kind of I kind of enjoyed this movie, but it it definitely does not work by the metric. Like if you were looking for you know a goofy monster movie, this isn't it. Uh, it's very low on monster attacks. It's got a ton of subplots, but like we say, they don't really, they don't fit together and they largely don't fit together because the characters are thinly sketched even by the standards of Italian genre movies. Uh, like they're really, really a lot of this just doesn't fit together well at all, which, but like I say, like it kind of creates this weird chill kind of element to it because there, there's no tension Ever, and everything exists in isolation. Like, even when the plot threads kind of come together at certain points, there, there's, like, almost no energy generated by that. So it's mostly just people hanging out in boats. Uh, and it's just kind of like, I don't know, I watched this after kind of like a long day at work at a deadline. I was kind of, like, working quite a bit. I was tired. I threw this on. And, I don't know, it's just sort of like... It was just sort of relaxing, which is not yeah, exactly it's, what it's, I'm expecting from a monster it, movie, but it's something. It's a fucking, it's sun and fun with these sexy 80s people. Like, you could just put it on <laughs> mute and throw on some, like, fucking bangles or something. And yeah, have yourself and, a and I mean, it does, like, it throws the curveball, because, I mean, I assumed this was a killer shark movie. You know, devilfish. And then when the tentacles come up, I was like, oh, there's another monster. That's surprising. But no, it just turns out it's a it's not even a shark. It's like an ancient prehistoric, like kind type of fish that existed, like a plated fish that used to like swim around in the Triassic period or whatever. Yeah, but sure. now, that, but doesn't now it really, that doesn't really explain the tentacles. No, but it has tentacles now as well. Not that you would ever see yeah. both of them in the same shot. They like they built a head and they built three tentacles, and that's and and at any shot, one of those will appear, either a head or one of or maybe two of the three tentacles. Which yeah, there's not a lot of gravitas to the attack scenes in this. Yeah, no. it, it's hard to even explain, like, we could say, like, oh, there's a bunch of subplots. It's like, when you boil it down, there really aren't. It's just that it's <laughs> never really clear what how any of the characters are connected. <laughs> so, so it's like, really, all the plot is, is, is there's two doctors who work in this research facility, one of which uh, invents a monster shark and tries to hide it from the other doctor. And then this group of uh, uh, sexy boat people... Uh, are trying to find the shark. The end. That's yeah. yeah it's true. Like you know, you know the hero is like you know the wrong place at the wrong time. Like that's really is literally everyone in this film somehow. Uh, everyone, no one seems to fit in at all. So 
kind of an interesting thing. It feels like it's like a Bunuel writing experiment, like Phantom of Liberty, but instead of breaking like <laughs> continuity or whatever, they just they broke everything. So was Lamberto like really like into speech to text as a concept? Like, what the fuck was the deal with all of that garbage in this? Movie? <laughs> There's a lot of tech in this, yeah. That's very questionable. Like, it's just a lot of yeah. Like the early part is a lot of people staring at screens for like tracking and the things. screen and the screen speaking back and to the them. screen. <laughs> yeah, the computer talks back. I feel like that could be like an alien thing, maybe like. This is only a couple of years after Alien, which, you know, Mother talked. That was like a, maybe, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, I think the, it's basically, it's probably Alien, just because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you got the radar thing, right? And it, it's it's beeping and you see the little right. dot getting closer to you. Whereas it, Lumberto's got a, a thousand different scenes of people staring at this computer screen. It looks like an Atari 2600 game. And... <laughs> It's like, oh, the shark is here. The shark's at this depth. The shark is too deep now. But nothing on the screen seems to reflect whatever the characters are experiencing. So they're just showing this screen. It's supposed to be building tension because you're seeing this like little blip like move across the screen. But I have no idea if it's going like, you know, closer to the boat or deeper. Like visually, it's a fucking mess. Well, I mean, there, there's so a problem because it's essentially it, it maps the ocean as a 2D object and it just goes up or down or left and right within that frame. And they're like, oh, it's going closer. It's a little further away. And it's like the boat is just in the center. And it's like, how would you track anything on this system? Make any like what happens if it just literally goes to another part of the ocean? So it's, well, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, my grandpa owned a fish finder seemed to be a lot more effective than whatever this piece of technology was. But did he have I don't, a devil fish a, finder? <laughs> maybe it was uh, yeah, great a advancement question. in the, in the years between like 1984 and 1994. That's entirely <laughs> possible. Fish finders could have come a long way, baby. But uh, I, yeah, I this, think this is, this is what happens when you pay a TV repairman who only works 20 hours a week. To make you a fucking custom uh, devil fish device. Steve, you just don't understand the TV repair business. I mean, his storefront is only open that many hours because he has to spend so much time fucking working on the TVs, you know. <laughs> That's gotta See, be yeah. it. He's got to be. He's he got to be a messy there helping shop. Customers. And then a guy breaks in and breaks whatever he's working on. Uh, I wasn't 100%. I don't remember what that was, actually. It was, I don't know, this whole I movie... it was the fish finder. It was the fish finder, I'm pretty sure, but it's at which, you know, it didn't seem important to break that, because they were... Like, it seems like everyone who's out in the ocean finds the fish. There's, like, two scenes where... Well, there's more than two scenes. There's, like... So, you know, every time they go to the to, out to sea, they find it. Everyone finds it. And it's really... It, what, what was the, why does the thing exist? The guy, the evil scientist wanted to... He's gonna control uh, the seas. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to keep people out of the ocean for when uh, we unlock a deep sea exploration and can mine resources. Yeah, it's a so real, real Scooby-Doo stuff. Yeah, he did not crack deep sea exploration, doesn't even seem to be working on it, but he wants to make sure that when it does happen and we can access the vast resources of the sea... Uh, that he is the only one allowed to do so because of a shark. And the stakes in this one are a bit odd, because like, it opens, they find a dead body. And it's worth noting for uh -huh. like pure Italian verisimilitude, they hire like multiple amputees, to, you know, for their like, their cheap effects. So there's like, and I think they hired two, when I say multiple, they hired two amputees for two different scenes to look like they've been attacked. And you don't see the attacks, they like find the bodies the most part, because it would be much, much cheaper doing it that way. Um, and, and that's pretty much like 
everyone's like up in a tizzy. It's like, oh my god, like two people have been found dead. You know, I think maybe the first guy doesn't even die. And they're like, so it's like, okay, this doesn't seem like, like, obviously this is serious. Two people have been found dead around here. Like, we would take, but like, suddenly they're like, it's something serious. It's something real bad. And it's like, this just seems like not terrible in terms of like your innings with the entirety of the ocean they have two bodies yeah. so, they, so they have they have to try and like explain it by then doing this goofy scan where they learn that this monster is only eight months old and it's gonna get bigger and then it will probably presumably become a real problem i guess i don't know it's well, just it's that the not stakes even gonna get weird. bigger right that's the thing is it's not gonna get bigger it's going to dissolve and all of its cells will replicate yeah. oh, well, into yeah, more monsters it produces asexually it reproduces asexually <laughs> so you cut off its tentacle and it makes little fucking shark pusses. that's true, which i they... don't think that's what asexual reproduction really is you know that's like maybe like a earthworm or something that's about <laughs> I mean, but the, the point is, you know, it's like, the, basically, this is a movie that sells you on the stakes down the line, rather than establishing them during yeah. the runtime, which is a bit weird, you know, I mean, they could have just said he was more dangerous, I don't know, had thrown in a couple of more attack scenes early on, throwing a bunch of bodies, just lie and say, like, a whole ocean liner capsized and no survivors, mm -hmm. and they're very confused, you know, you don't have to put it on screen, but it's just like, oh, uh, two people have been injured recently, so, you know, we're very concerned, it's like, that's kind of boring, if I'm being honest, I'm not really engaged with this, but it's fun, because they go out to the sea and they have a couple of beers. This is there a common is a problem with these, these Jaws ripoffs, right, is that, why are they set in Florida? The, the thing about Jaws is it's, it's like abnormal that there's a shark. In, in Florida, there are sharks. If there was a shark attack, it wouldn't just be like, oh my God, guys, we got to shut down the oceans. It's like, no, no, that's, that's, that's oh. what's a reality of living here and swimming in these waters. It, no, there's, I mean, it takes place in Florida because there's a character named Florinda, and you couldn't have that if it was anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, well, it's... I, I, I wonder what the other uh, fellow's motivation was, but uh, I, well, we'll get there again. I, I mean, Jack says Lombardo might have been trying to save some cash by uh, just showing, you know, just creating sort of a, a mauled makeup effect. The, the body just pre-mauled rather than showing an attack. That's But what someone should have told Lombardo is that he could have saved even more money by just uh, taking that sort of prop from another movie entirely <laughs> <laughs> this is true there there are Why many ways they're creating anything really <laughs> yeah that's true that's it's true. not like any of these are the first shark attack movie ever made so what you know someone else already made one of those you can just exactly. borrow from it liberally yeah who needs who needs your own shit when someone else has shit oh for sure uh but yeah so uh devilfish yeah, that's fine. It's, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of kind of boring, but kind of relaxing for a monster movie. Like you know, not normally something I would recommend, but like honestly, if you're kind of like you're tired and you just want to crack a beer and just chill out with the movie, uh, you know, soak up soak up some rays from your TV. Devilfish kind of fits the bill, and I'm not sure any other movie has been, you know, fails in such specific ways as to also fit that bill. So I guess it's kind of it's kind of got its little niche in cinema history. Well done to all involved. Mm -hmm. This should have gotten bought for like syndication by like sci-fi or something because this this is like a Sunday afternoon. This is on. You'd be fine to watch. Sci-fi sci went on to make Sharktopus, which is clearly just fucking ripping this thing off. They invented uh, Sharktopus. I mean, I got to imagine it's it's worse and costs more money oh, to uh, make make a new film than to license. No, Devil I mean, this, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing that, like, Devilfish, okay, it's not a great movie, but it is odd and 
dysfunctional in such beautifully specific and unusual ways and that's what cinema is all about that's what we're here for we enjoy this where's these stupid fucking ironic detachment isn't this shitty movies no fuck this you know like sci-fi i hate it it's no point riff tracks is like oh look at this dumb movie it's like it's a better movie than you've ever made what are you doing here so yeah watch devilfish it's it's the real thing not like your sharktopus imposter nonsense Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice lazy afternoon movie, but uh, it's not. It's hard to <laughs> full throat to recommend. This. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, do do not prioritize Devilfish. You know, you don't have no. to do that. I think it's fair to say that you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, you know if you're a Devilfish person or not. It's it's clear yeah. to you. That's probably yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Although, don't be taken in by the name Devilfish slash Monster Shark and the, the cover. Those two things are both far better than the actual film. <laughs> yeah, they should have called it like Hentai Brand Zeno, but I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, one <laughs> of the highlights of this is that Lamberto Bava directs this under the incredible pseudonym John Old Jr., which <laughs> <laughs> is just legendary. Uh, That's good shit. You know, so... Yeah, give give it a whirl if you've got a very specific set of criteria you want to fulfill that does not involve a lot of shark attacks because it doesn't have any of those, pretty much. Sure, and you know, if you want to get an idea of the level of quality we're dealing with on this episode, all three of the films we're talking about today, directed under pseudonyms. So, there you go. Well, that's uh, not entirely true as we get into the next film. I mean, yeah, sort of. It's It's a little messy. So, what if I told you that in 1989, 1990, Joe D'Amato finally made a shark attack film. It's what everybody had been waiting for him to do. And uh, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, this is pretty late in the game for Joe D'Amato. I think he died in 97, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? Or maybe later than that. Uh, but, you know, he, he made films throughout the 90s that were primarily hardcore pornography. Not that Joe uh, was 1999. Yeah. So Joe, not that he ever shied away from hardcore porn, but it wasn't always his bread and butter. It was just like a thing that he did alongside of his, his horror work and the other films that he made. And really in the 90s, he was just doing like, you know, uh, I, I think classic titles like 120 Days of Anal, uh, things of that nature. Not doing a ton of shit. And one of the few non-pornographic films he made was Deep Blood, but he was not supposed to make Deep Blood. He was a producer on Deep Blood. He was the cinematographer for Deep Blood, and the director was supposed to be this guy, uh, Raphael Donato. And Raphael Mm -hmm. directed the very first scene of Deep Blood and then decided... Ah, eh, not for me. So Joe just kind of took over the production. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is like uh, a guy D'Amato had worked with previously, apparently. I think he was like his casting director or no, it was a, it's like a language guy. He, he did a lot of like, uh, he worked with actors uh, in foreign language stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wanted to direct and then he decided that he didn't after his... Uh, <laughs> stunning opening scene which is a shame yeah because the opening scene is absolutely the highlight of the movie for me it is an all-timer it is deranged (laughs) oh it's not just wheaties being roasted there's some fucked up shit going on so you see these kids that are sitting around this beach fire or whatever 
And they're like roasting hot dogs on sticks and just eating them like little freaks. It, it's very strange to watch. And they also there's also a bunch of bananas sitting around, which is like, are they also roasting bananas, like unpeeled bananas on sticks? Uh, unclear. Unclear. Yum, yum. Um, Europeans don't know what Americans do around fires. It's just they're yeah, winging it right. here. He's like, right. this, this weedy roast is not phallic enough. We need bananas on set, guys. <laughs> yeah, we need double phallic. Does anyone have an eggplant or a cucumber we could roast? True sausage party at 100% going <laughs> yeah. on here. Yeah, just kicking it with the boys, you know, slurping some sausages. And uh, wouldn't you know, the world's whitest, palest, like, <laughs> native medicine man happens to show up. <laughs> Just walks out of the woods with a bunch of knives to talk to some kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After these kids wow. are spending the entirety of the opening credits, it's like five straight minutes of them sucking on weenies. And <laughs> then, rest yeah, assured, it, they offer that old man a weenie too. They're yeah, straight they away. Did. They did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then then the the native man shows up and he gives them a, a wooden a carved wooden stick with some pictures <laughs> on it. And then they all slit their wrists and do a blood oath. Yeah, you know, as you do, it's a formative experience we all we're all familiar with, where you're you're hanging out with your buddies, and then an old man comes up and he's like, "Kids, and like Native American spirits are after you. You should just do a blood oath." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, cool." It's, I'd yeah, like to know cool. where this man is native to, like fucking Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> no, he's absolutely he native looks like to Florida. Stephen Van Zant. He's <laughs> Native to Asbury Park. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's fucking weird. It's an incredible opening scene. It's like it sets it up a movie that should be so much better than Deep Blood. Mm-hmm. And it's Which weird is weird it, to say. Because yeah. Deep Blood is like trying to be an actual movie. This is the only one of the three that's like has any sort of ambition, right, which yeah. is insane considering it's a 1990 movie from Joe DiMaggio. No, no, it's 100% <laughs> ridiculous that the scene we have described is literally the intro to fucking Joe D'Amato's Stand By Me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it's very really like by Stephen me. King. Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're really selling it to people now. They're going to want to watch this shit. Well, uh, it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> real Spoilers. dull. Which is not it's something I would up. ever associate with D'Amato. Exactly. No. The man is never dull, and he's always, like, gross. And not only is this horrifically dull, but there's nothing, there's none of the D'Amato charm, there's none of the sleaze, and the weirdest shit happens in this opening scene, which was the one thing he didn't actually film. <laughs> which is insane to me. So yeah, uh, I was literally like halfway through it and I'm like, I knew that it was co-directed and I'm like, oh, this must have, uh, how did the, how did this get tossed in as a D'Amato film? Like this is, this Donato fellow must have really directed the whole thing. And then you look into it and it's like, no, he didn't do anything. This is all Joe. I'm like, what? Why was Joe like earnestly trying to make this fucking bullshit coming of age shark film? Coming, yeah, yeah. And it it makes no sense because the plot of this ultimately so the four the four boys on the beach have a blood pact and they're going to be friends forever and then <laughs> excuse me one one of them gets killed by a shark because the the 
storyline here is that the shark isn't really just a shark. He's like a, a, a native spirit, a monster that's taking the form of a shark. And he's hunting these boys for some reason. I'm not sure they ever really explain why. To which I would think maybe just don't like get a get a desk job. Just don't go in the ocean. Like move to a lake. Like it's not you know if a shark is has it out for me. There's actually a fairly wide array of options you can do to circumvent that. But they're not these guys. No, one of them gets killed by the shark. The other three vow revenge. They're gonna they're gonna get revenge on the on this shark. And that's kind of the movie, and it's like this bonding experience for these three bros hanging out. But they've they've thrown in a couple of other things too. Um, there's like there's a mayor. There's the mayor who's running interference, and there's some other stuff going on. It's just, it's a weirdly pedestrian film because it is trying to go for these dramatic beats. It's it's like, it doesn't seem just, it's not like a lurid monster film. It's trying for like these, these dramatic beats of like, our friend died. We were banding together. We're, we're lifting each other up. We're on the, each other's shoulders and we're going to overcome this great obstacle. Except the obstacle is a shark that is apparently a native spirit. Um... And then the, like, last half hour is pretty much just, like, vacation footage. It's just, like, it's it's literally just shots of guys hanging out in a boat. They don't say a word. It's, like, it's, like, watching someone else's Super 8 footage from coming back from, like, you know, where, like, we rented a boat and we, we did this. Um, absolutely bewildering film. It doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. Um, and I just, I just don't understand what he was even trying for. Like, why, why did he try to make literally, like, this placid domestic drama that also is a shark exploitation film. It's it's not what I was expecting, certainly. Yeah, I I don't think I feel like if Joe was at the helm of this thing from the start instead of just taking it over, it, he probably would have sprinkled a little magic Joe dust on it. But it, it, just like shooting it for what it is, it's not a movie for him. Uh, the only time you really see some of some of that Damato flair is his use of horrific Super Eight. Uh, like stock footage of sharks swimming and then the other remaining shark footage and some of the underwater footage is just clearly shot in like Joe D'Amato's swimming pool somewhere in like Florence. Like Yeah, a swimming um, pool or an aquarium. <laughs> like I think you can like literally they like they dive in under the water and they're like literally swimming and it's just like there's a wall behind them. Just clearly. Yeah, you can see the wall at the waterline. It's it's impressive stuff. I don't. I I have no criticisms of any techniques he employed in this. Again, I I watched this after uh, our our next, film, and I was like <laughs> stunned by the the efforts that Joe was going to with this thing. I was like, oh wow, underwater photography! Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> does, I do. It does I, probably have just... the best production values native to the production. Uh, but they're yeah. just they're they're diverted to not particularly impressive means. No, this no. is true. It's just, it's just kind of a limp movie. I, apparently, you guys took great issue with the lead actor. Uh, to me, it just all kind of blended together. I didn't even oh, notice. The kid the lead actor. I, I have my... What is he fucking doing? It's insane what he's doing. <laughs> all the dramatic my, my note... child acting where he's like, Dad, you don't love me the way you should. While he's got like the Seinfeld soundtrack on his fucking stereo. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah, my, my note on this is just, this is like Stand By Me if the main character was the garbage day guy from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Yes, that, yes. He's, he's in that register. He's really not good, which again is weird in a film that's supposed to be about like the, the Bonds Brotherhood, I guess. 
uh, I mean, the Bonds of Brotherhood ultimately is strapping a shit ton of dynamite to the ocean floor and uh, blowing a uh, shark sky high. I like the pointless, like, casting errors in this, too. Like, the one of the, the really the main character outside of the uh, group of, of four kids, well, outside of the bully who just <laughs> replaces the fourth kid uh, for no reason whatsoever in the third act. Um is the fa- like the father of uh, not this uh Mickey fellow it's it's one of the other kids but again he's like a a swarthy italian fellow and they have these four kids uh, probably three of them could pass as this guy's son and instead they make his son like the fucking most toe-headed blonde <laughs> pale guy yeah. it's like why would you do this? You you could interchange any of these fucking characters. It doesn't the, matter. The casting in this film is is hilarious. Down like the small details. There's one scene where the mayor gives a press conference outside City Hall, and he's literally giving a press conference to like a bunch of like teens in beachwear. Like and and there's like one is like a group of teens in beachwear is manning like a TV camera with a mic. Like they're supposed to be TV reporters, but like clearly they just like roped up a couple of kids on the beach that day. Uh, which gives a good sense of how this film plays out. Like, there's just this absolute, um, you know, like D'Amato. Absolutely, he's he's fantastic. He he can make a movie on nothing. He'll he'll nail the basics. It'll look really good. He he was you know incredible on that. But he obviously hit so many other production walls here. Because I suppose I hadn't really thought about it before. But like shark movies are expensive. It's really hard to put a shark attack in a movie. Like without actually just filming shark attacks, like it's it's a really difficult thing to, to fake. And what I've learned is that two of these movies so far got around <laughs> that by just not having shark attacks. <laughs> Pretty much just like we won't do it. We'll cut to a shark swimming, and then we'll cut back to something else. And mostly it's just people uh, surrounded by red ink in the water, just flailing around. And there's like nothing else in the water with them. Clearly. Uh, just, yeah, don't, don't make Shark Attack movie if you have no money, would seem like a fair uh, piece of advice. Or just do what the next guy did, which we'll get to. <laughs> that, also, that's yeah. an option. Wholesale theft if is an option. literally no money and no scruples that you, you could probably make. They would just hold you back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if you want to get the best of this movie, all you have to do Watch that opening scene, and then after that, fast forward to, I think it's about somewhere between 40 and 45 minutes in, okay? And this is, that's, that's like the big bedroom, I hate you, dad, monologue scene. <laughs> and if you watch those two scenes, you get everything you need. There's not a lot of shark in here, so don't no, worry about that part. And um, I also love um, just on the bedroom scene, because, again, it's something that also comes up in the next movie, which it's one of the things I love about Italian movies generally is that they always have to be about like they've got to have like nudity, TNA and stuff like clearly they're genre movies, but they also want either they're kind of harping on like dumb kind of like naive characters so they just keep writing like 18 to 23 year olds like they're 12 it's just like a recurring thing and i think that's really fun because our main character in that scene has i think a fido dito poster and a t-rex poster <laughs> on his wall and he's like 18 19 like maybe fido dito i don't know it's popular around that time i could squeeze it. what 19 well, year old movie does a fucking take place t-rex in movie it, it takes does. place in America, doesn't it? I, I hate to tell you this, Jack, but Fido Dido did not exist in America. 
no, no, oh, not did, a popular American band. Fight, fight, for sure, but but he existed in like it, it was invented because I believe I looked at that one time. I think it was in Florida was where it took off. If I remember, I don't even know what Fido Dido is. Well, Fido Dido was like the Seven Up mascot in Europe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it was well, big. It was certainly bigger cool over spot. there. <laughs> you didn't yeah, have fucking well, cool spot. Cool spot came later, and I'm I'm not an expert in this, but but like Fido Dido okay, was so in Fido New Dido York. Fido Dido is not a band. It's a, it's a Seven Up mascot. No, it's like a line drawing. You would know yeah, Fido yeah. Dido if you saw it. It's like one of these like Doug looking fucking nineties pencil drawings. Oh yeah. Of like a... But but I have I have okay. a feeling. Let me double check this. This is one of those things that I'm gonna have to like. I know it was much bigger in in Europe because it became the Seven Up brand. But um, let me see. Uh, so yeah, it became worldwide. Uh, looking at all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, fucking cool. I feel like I had multiple video games. How many Fido well, Dido games are there? There there is a Fido uh, Dido game. I remember seeing it. Was it on the ZX Spectrum Euro Boy? <laughs> <laughs> It could have been. I invented in New York, and the t-shirts became popular in New York. Okay, maybe it was a New York thing. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, you know, it feels Christ, like one of those like things. sounds like a fucking could... nightmare. You look at this fucking noodle-ass <laughs> character, and it, it had an official mantra upon its creation that Fido is for Fido. Fido is against no one. Fido is youth. Fido has no age. Fido sees everything. Fido judges nothing. Fido is innocent. <laughs> Fido is powerful. Fido comes from the past. Fido is the future. Uh, creator of Fido Dido, uh, Joanna Ferrone and Sue Rose. Fuck right off. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 100%. This is like, this is the fucking Garfield of the 90s. Uh, like, oh. 100%, like, just designed to be sold to a corporation. Um, but anyhow, I didn't think that was entirely. Uh, beyond the pale to be on, you know, if if we're talking anything, I, I don't know, weird, but a fucking 20 year old with a T-Rex poster, either it works in dinosaur shit or it just the production designer is just out of ideas. That's all that's yeah. happening there. Uh, ideas. That, that's not this movie's strong suit. It is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is very much just like, let's, let's slap a Stephen King coat of paint on Jaws, the end. There's nothing more to it than that. I it again, is. the whole mysticism element is like not present in the fucking movie at all. Yeah, I don't it's know why like, they bring it up. It's great because that no. opening scene, honestly, is almost like more fucked up than the finale of it. You know, it's like four boys just slashing their wrists and like swapping blood on the beach because an old man told them to. Like it's the just undertones amazing. that are incredible, and then the rest it's, of the movie is just boring. It's one of these things where it's just like what. <laughs> Italian filmmakers, sometimes they make the best awful decisions where you're like, why didn't they just cut their hands? That's what people fucking do. <laughs> Everyone would do no, that. That's another common theme here where it's just like, you know, this, this huge cultural disconnect where it's old Italian men trying to figure out what young Americans do and think and how they act and, and, and just missing the mark in very strange ways. And uh, yeah, that's... It's just a lot of weird shit going on. Yes, the old if you watch uh, the old Blood Brothers ritual, which I imagine probably does not have its roots in American culture, but maybe. Uh, but either way, it it just seems insane to me that we would somehow <laughs> link it with. Oh, this must be when a bunch of kids fucking uh, 
just inflict mortal wounds on each other. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the Italians invented like the the like Fellini's Ivitaloni, uh, like invented like the the shiftless youth. You know, he didn't quite invent it, but like, I mean, it was like Scorsese clearly transposed so much of that over like mean streets and stuff. And like, but, but it really, you know, you watch Italian movies that era and like, what do young Italian men do? It's like they basically they just hang around all day. None of them have jobs. They drink espresso and they shout at women. That's that's the Italian existence. And so I think they don't have any idea what American boys did it becomes very confusing very quick. Like Scorsese was able to, you know, shift it over into like an American milieu because he, you know, knows what he's doing. But they're like, this is like party central, but it's just a bunch of boys hanging out, just being like awkward. Uh, there's a bully. There's always a bully. Like, again, like it's basically all these boys are like 11 years old, except that they're not. They're played by full grown adults. Um, and it creates weird dissonance throughout. That means it's a drama can't land but for some reason D'Amato decided that fucking Deep Blood the killer shark movie was gonna be like his fucking Schindler's List for some reason um and yeah uh, longer if movie feels longer than you think it would be uh, it's only like I think it's only like 95 minutes but it it really that last half hour the last half hour I think Adam like you said is like it feels experimental it does like I don't think they say a word for like no. 10 15 minutes at least like they're just hanging out uh, it, yeah, it it's really just, just like feels shots like of them like wrapping a dynamite in fish corpses inters- intercut with like underwater footage <laughs> yeah just snorkeling and it's like could they not get sound or something like it's it's really odd frankly and it just it just keeps going yeah <laughs> it's very strange stuff very strange stuff but uh we should stop talking about it so we could talk about the actual fun oh the bell get to the, of get the ball. ball the fillet the, the of this entire the thing the fillet this is it this is it this is Oh my god, no. This is this is not even a fillet. This is like a fucking bone-in ribeye that's just been fucking dry-aged and and oh, and stolen from another restaurant. Yeah. Oh, did we ever pay off the pseudonym <laughs> thing by the way? Like that the deep blood is is directed under the name Raf uh Donato, uh which is not a pseudonym so much as it's a director who quit the film. Uh yeah. which is again very strange because it it does <laughs> It reeks of something that D'Amato cared about. So it, it, it's bizarre that he then went on to not put his name on it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think his reasoning for that him. was that he had already had like five movies coming out that year. And he just didn't like, he's like, oh, we'll give him a break. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. The, the, speaking of pseudonyms, here we have a, a, a wonderful film from the visionary director, William Snyder. Ah, uh, yeah. William Our Snyder, favorite. also known as Bruno Mattei. And... <laughs> Uh, I've heard him referenced as the most perpetually embarrassed director of all time because he had more pseudonyms than uh, like any director ever. I'm pretty sure more Um, than Joe, huh? more than Joe, believe it or not. Uh, Bruno probably worked under a pseudonym more. I mean, definitely worked under a pseudonym more than he worked under his actual name. And that's uh, probably because he kept just jacking footage from other people's movies. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of his thing. So. Bruno was known for making uh, just the cheapest ripoffs humanly possible in, you know, an Italian film industry that continuously made ripoffs of popular films and would frequently do things like, you know, uh, make a movie and and sell it as a as a sequel to 
an, a, another movie that they don't own the rights to, uh, which like Dawn Bruno, of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Fulci's Zombie, which was re- released as Zombie Two because Dawn of the Dead was released as Zombie in Italy, and so on and so forth. Uh, Bruno Mattei, he kind of used that to guide some of the biggest moments of his career, and this included uh, things like uh, Shocking Dark which was released in Italy as Terminator 2, even though it's really more of an Aliens ripoff that just happens to have a Terminator at the end. Uh, He also was a person who was known for not only just ripping off plot points and visual cues and scenes and scripts and things of that nature, but uh, using a lot of stock footage. Uh, So Hell of the Living Dead. If you've ever seen that, then boy, you've seen a lot of uh, just nature film stock footage of New Guinea, and um, <laughs> if you've seen that, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to the listeners of our podcast. Yeah, fucking Bruno. <laughs> like people might throw Joe, or I've heard Franco, or you know, obviously you get into some American people, but as like worst director, Claudio uh, Fergasso, Bruno. Yeah. Bruno might have a legitimate claim on that front. I gotta say. And yeah. Bruno was in there with like it was the Godfrey Ho kind of like thing of just like absolutely will just whatever finishes the movie, he will do it. And if he mm-hmm. can save money at any point by just grabbing footage from somewhere else, he'll yeah, he'll do it. Why not? Yeah. You know, and, and I mean to be fair, he understood that shark movies are really goddamn expensive. Uh, but that's fine because someone else already spent the money on the special effects for a shark movie. So just grab it, put it in, and just make another movie around it that's mostly about Mm -hmm. whining teenagers. I mean, even if they didn't make, like, uh, an expensive shark film, you know, even if it was already shitty cheap effects that might have used stock footage, (laughs) he's still going to steal them. (laughs) This, this, This movie steals... From Deep Blood, or from sorry, yes. from Devilfish. It steals from Deep Blood too, but it steals from Devilfish, but not shark footage. It steals helicopter footage from yeah. From and we should Devilfish. probably tell the people we're we're talking about the 1995, yes, 1995 film, Cruel Jaws, which oh. by my estimation is somewhere between 80 and 90 percent stolen footage, not stock footage, stolen. Footage, yes, which is oh, yeah. frequently soundtracked by just the Star Wars theme. It's the Star <laughs> Wars theme. <laughs> Literally, they go out to hunt a shark to the fucking Star Wars theme. It's beautiful. It really is, and this is this is the highest level of Bruno Mattei because again, we talk about like Hell of the Living Dead. Oh, stock footage, and you know he ripped off parts of Goblin's soundtrack <laughs> for Dawn of the Dead and things like that. But in this movie. Again, it is whole whole cloth, stolen, stolen footage. Worth, worth mentioning. It's just, it's not. I just want to say it's not stolen in the sense that like he's using this to like patch his own footage together to other things. The movie that he shot, it <laughs> is designed around the footage he stole. So he saw the <laughs> other movies, said, "I'm taking this, that, and the other thing, which I do not have the rights to," and then said, "Fuck it." Filmed like probably 20 minutes of his own movie, and then made Cruel Jaws. Yeah, I want to know what the shooting schedule on this thing was. Like two days maximum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's worth noting just just to put this out there: this thing is streaming on Tubi right now somehow. I, and don't if you know anyone who works at Disney Core, don't tell them. 
just watch this movie. Yeah. It kicks ass. But like this movie should not be available anywhere. No, it should not be available. And it has a beautiful uh, Blu-ray release from Severin as well. Uh, it this is one of those movies where, you know, we, we talk about how things don't get, you know, a high def release or a physical media release because they're in rights hell. Uh, wherein, you know, because of a soundtrack or footage that's used or whatever. Either they can't figure out who actually owns the rights to the movie or they're unable to obtain the rights because there's some, you know, copyright infringement going on. Uh, this this happened in our podcast. Where we talked about like Thriller and uh, oh, shit was the Thriller guy's other movie. Oh, Breaking Point. Breaking Point, which just steals the third man soundtrack like completely. Yeah, well, I <laughs> For don't a little know. More artistic I, reasons, yeah, at least but, we we did something with that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, incredible. Yeah. It is incredible to think that, like, uh, Johnny Toe's The Mission is in rights hell. Like, you can't get that. Like, no one's able to release it in HD. Uh, Husha Shen's The Puppet Master, same guy, owns the rights. It's in, you can't get it anywhere. And somehow I can stream a movie that stole the Star Wars theme on a free yeah. platform owned by Fox. Yes. And, and not only does it steal the Star Wars theme, however, it, I mean, it also steals. Like, not not from just from Joe. I mean, it steals a lot from Joe D'Amato's uh, Deep Blood, and it steals from Devilfish, and it steals from, uh, I think the Last Shark is it? Or, the Last Shark, yeah, the, the yeah. Castellari and Jaws two also, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Jaws three, and Jaws four, and Jaws one. It takes something from everything, <laughs> like all of the shark movie, and not yeah. So not it's not just ripping off the ripoffs; it's ripping off the actual universal owned films there's there's footage that is just taken just taken okay so here's the most confusing thing about this movie to me which is saying something because i swear this movie must have been filmed over the span of like 10 hours is the laziest piece of shit production i've ever seen is a fucking colossal embarrassment and, and a crime against many uh filmmakers uh, but the most confusing thing to me is that what did he pay Peter Benchley? <laughs> like he, yes, Benchley has fuck? a writing credit. That's that is absolutely true and weird. I don't know how that how that occurred. He paid for the rights to Jaws the book. Like what the yeah. fuck? I maybe that was his get out. Maybe he was just like Benchley had contacts in Universal was able to smooth over some stuff. I don't. Is it is absolutely insane. Um, cause yeah, I mean, other than he paid Peter Benchley and I guess that's why one of the main characters in this, uh, literally is a Hulk Hogan lookalike, like literally that's well, his job. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting that, yeah. So the guy, <laughs> uh, the guy who looks, there's a guy who looks like Hulk Hogan. He's yes. one of the main characters. He yes. looks, I mean, he's, he's not as muscular, but he looks exactly like Hulk Hogan. Same hair, same handlebar mustache, bleach blonde, um, uh, his his name is Dag Sneerson, in, which sounds like a bad guy name, uh, but he owns the water park in the movie, which is a real kick-ass water park. Can't wait to visit that. It's got like two dolphins and one sea lion, and it's a fucking water park. No wonder they want to foreclose it's the on the center of the community, apparently. Everyone loves yeah. the water park. How the fuck did he and not steal this footage from Devilfish? Come on, Bruno. <laughs> I, I don't know. That dolphins. seems like it's right there. Yeah, it's he's useful. already got a, a dolphin thing, but no, he gets his own dolphins. It's very strange. And but this Hulk Hogan guy is played by uh, Richard Duell, who, according to an interview with Jay Colligan, who played Tommy in this movie, two things that I learned. One, 
Uh, Richard Duell is a, he or was a, a, Hulk, a paid Hulk Hogan impersonator at the time. Like that was his main gig. So they <laughs> hired a Hulk Hogan impersonator, which this gets even further down the rabbit hole because then it's like, OK, so then it's this movie that's made of stolen stuff and fake shit. And then also there's a guy who looks like Hulk Hogan and his job is being fake Hulk Hogan. It's it's all getting there's a lot of layers to it is what I'm saying. Um, I gotta the say, I, Richard do uh, better actor than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. This, this beats Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> and another funny thing is, you know, even though Thunder in Paradise had Hulk Hogan in it, I think this had a higher budget because, once again, from the interview with Jay Colligan, um, it is his understanding that the budget at the time, and this is 1995, so we can look at the inflation, uh, but he said the budget was $300,000. So if you wonder the, what, what the secret sauce uh, for success is for Bruno Mattei, it's just money laundering. I, yeah, I'm going to say money laundering, or, budget money laundering or paying off studio executives, one or the other, mm. like copyright infringements. I, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how we managed to do that. The money is not up on screen because it's other people's <laughs> footage for everything. Literally, the, the rest of this movie is basically Revenge of the Nerds as a shark exploitation movie. It's about a bunch of bros hanging out on the beach with babes in swimsuits and uh, just kind of one of the guy, he's a nerd and he's really into, into sharks. He's a shark expert and his girlfriend is like someone else is moving in on his girlfriend. Um, and, and that's like, that's the dramatic crux of it. And then they just have a regatta uh, and a shark attacks and they're like, oh, no, we've got to do something. So the the mayor, one of my favorite scenes, they, they have the regatta. By, by the way, the regatta has one scene and it's really weird to me that it has cheerleaders in it. And I swear to God, they're, it's clearly from another movie, but it's like from a different era. It's like 70s cheerleaders in like uh, a 90s yeah. movie. It is. And the also most... they just they chant something and it's completely different from like what the, <laughs> the, the sure. dub is. It's like the, the footage is cheering. Like it's it's one of these spelling cheers and it spells out one word and then the dub is just an entirely fucking different word and you're like what what the hell is that? It's utterly <laughs> surreal. It's like the most jarring in a movie that absolutely like the film quality just oscillates depending on what era of film they're stealing from and I guess which duplicate print like generation of duplication it is like they're just pulling from I wouldn't be surprised like VHS footage came in on this thing but uh, eventually there's a regatta and, and they have a big attack I'm pretty sure that footage was stolen from the Castellari from the um the, the last shark mm. I haven't seen that movie but I it looks like I saw a bit of the trailer and frankly it looks like that footage might have come from there um so so they do that and they decide, oh no, we better kill kill the shark. So they come up with the brilliant idea that they'll just put a hundred thousand dollar bounty up for anyone who can go and get the massive killer shark, which would you wouldn't you know ends badly for everyone. And then they go and they blow up the shark again, which is all you, you the only way to kill a shark apparently is to just blow it up. But the character work in this movie is incredible. And again, this brings me to like, you know, Italians writing adults as children. And I just I I sketched in this piece of dialogue, which I think is amazing where the police chief asks our shark expert, who's like a uh, 20-year-old guy, I don't know why he's a shark expert particularly, or why he's the one they're referring to, but uh, the police chief says, what do we really know about sharks? To which the shark guy replies, <laughs> well, we know they're a sort of locomotive with a mouthful of butcher's knives, and all they really know how to do is swim, eat, and make baby sharks, and that's all. 
That's it. And there's it's the the just what we, stuff. So we know about sharks. They're a kind of locomotive. I'm sorry. No, this is this is what Bruno Mattei knows about sharks. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, Peter scene. Benchley, that's straight out of the novel, Steve. But at the same time, in Matei's defense, he understands that surrounding lots of kick-ass footage of shark attacks, it should probably be a movie, you know, about like everyone's hanging out on the beach. It's like, you know, have like beach stuff. And it, it is, it's a very light, bouncy movie. Otherwise, it's got like goofy teen drama, a couple of party scenes. It's got like hot people on the beach, you know, like it, it, these, these things that would make sense that the other two movies mostly eschewed. Well, I guess like Devilfish had like hot scientists on a boat, like, close enough, I guess. They didn't look like scientists at all. Um, Deep Blood has none of these things. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. So like to Matei's credit, he understood with, with the little footage he shot himself, he kind of figured, you know, okay, I know what to make this, you know, how to make this work, how to make it just kind of like gel it all together. It is stuck together with maybe uh, the worst day for night footage I've ever seen. It's, it's oh, astonishing. Yeah, it's incredible. It, and uh, it's to like, the point where it's like, is this actually day for night? Like, how the fuck long could, does he use this for? Like, 15 fucking minutes of this <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, it's incredible. Of the I'm 20 minutes like, he shot for the movie, 15 minutes are day for night. Like, I think that's day it, for yeah. night at the fucking crack of noon, where it's like the most direct light you could possibly imagine on every it is, it is practically blowing out the blue filter they put on it. Like, it is it is so bad. And like, to the point where it just looks like it's underexposed footage. Like, it just looks broken. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. everywhere. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Cruel Jaws. And I think we, we you know, just to, if you take anything away from this, this, this is the one to watch. Okay, and it's also like a primer for like five other movies. So this is this is an incredible time saver. Cruel Jaws. It, it really it's is fun, and and it's like watching you know it's like a shark shark attack movie fucking encyclopedia. You get all the yeah. all the hits. Well, and, yeah. and it's interesting too because in Deep Blood, one of the worst parts about uh, Joe D'Amato's Deep Blood is the the finale is this twenty minute sequence of these dipshit teens just swimming underwater. And it is the most painfully slow, anticlimactic dog shit. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's horrific. And in Cruel Jaws, Matei lifts that whole scene, okay, the whole 20 minutes, he trims it down to like probably 40% of what it was. And then you realize by the end, you're like, holy shit, Bruno, Matei, all, like this whole movie, Cruel Jaws, is just deep blood, but good. But look, but how is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. But he actually, I, like, he lifts the, the footage, and by the way he trims it, he, he turns it to something better. And it's it's just kind of, it's the type of shit that just breaks your, your brain. I don't know how to yeah. process this it's, movie. It's basically, I mean, like, Devilfish has all the details, but they don't hang together right. It's not constructed, so there's no tension to it. Right, like, there's no real, like, energy to the movie. Deep Blood has no kind of, like, dramatic fulcrum at all. It just, it drifts off into nothingness. Cruel Jaws is the only one of these three that really kind of, like, understands to, like, there's nothing new here. 
In fact, very specifically the opposite, but like even the parts he shot are like, it's all leading very heavily on time worn tropes. But he understands mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you need a good guy and a bad guy. You need some like a little bit of romance, a little bit of partying, a little bit of like, you know, punch up on the beach, you know, a little bit of masculine tension and then just a shit ton of shark attack footage. And that's, and you know, no. it works. It does. Yeah. It works. And that's the craziest thing is it's way more fun, way more entertaining than it should be. It doesn't really drag. It's just fucking fun. And I, the only thing I could think of is when I was a kid, whenever I would go to like McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever, and I was inside, I would take my my little soda cup and I would like mix all of, of the sodas together and be like, ooh, look, I mixed <laughs> them all together. And it's like, what if you did that? But then you took a drink and you're like, oh, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> you, invented a, you invented a new actually good soda yeah uh, by just taking a bunch of other ones and that should work together and here we are it's it's, it's absolutely deranged it, it's it's astonishing it, it's a remarkable film in that it is just like if you remember that season of saved by the bell where they're they're just uh, for some reason working at like a beach resort uh imagine if they filmed an episode of that in an hour and and set the whole thing at night but filmed at noon and uh then someone demanded that they make it into a 95 minute uh feature film without any additional footage so so some madman just uh, cobbled in a bunch of random footage from other assorted films and called it a day and that's that's yeah. cruel jaws <laughs> that's cruel jaws yeah, and it's it's a movie where I would encourage you to grab a six pack of beer and enjoy it and, you know, watch it with friends and and, and really soak it up. Uh, but also, and I'm not even fucking joking, I think fil- film scholars should seriously study this because there is nothing like this movie that exists. It is I mean, a, a one other- of a kind piece of work. Any other director than Joe D'Amato, because Joe D'Amato probably, I don't know, think he had time to watch movies because he's too busy making them. Uh, like, I think any other director would be so embarrassed if someone stole their footage and made a better movie. Uh, it's just uh, an amazing kind of a thing. Uh, what else is in this movie? This is a subplot movie right here, because for no reason whatsoever, there's like, there's mafia in this movie. They there's, there's, no oh, there's a little wheelchair. Yeah, the mayor, the mayor wheelchair, wheelchair, wheelchair girl, uh, mafia. Apparently, the mafia angle is is in fact uh, a subplot in in the novel Jaws, which is why it is uh, thrown in here for no reason. Oh, yeah, um, writing credit. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, the wheelchair kid is is wow. Thank God don't. they did it because it's comedy <laughs> fucking gold. The way this movie yeah. opens, I'm like this close up of uh, the wheelchair girl and then it like pans over to the the girlfriend and with this fucking ridiculous hangdog face it's just like ah th- this movie's a treasure if if you see a little girl in a wheelchair at this movie and you're thinking gee i hope sh- that wheelchair doesn't get pushed to the end of a pier and she falls into shark infested waters well guess what happens guys it's uh it's a terrible shame but she she survives but um yeah, that's yeah it's, it's it's amazing because like uh, the guy i think the the shark nerd guy his girlfriend dies and it's like yeah honestly it doesn't matter like it's no just she's too- like replaced by another blonde character immediately you'd never even notice i don't there's uh what else happens oh there's it is the same plot as jaws again they they want to clear out the beach they don't clear out the beach but again does this maybe this is meant to like jaws take place in like a new england area but 
it's clearly filmed in Florida. It's never established where it's yep. set. So you're just immediately going, this is set in Florida. And it, yep. it was it, shot again, in the Florida Keys. Right. And it feels that way. And it's never corrected by any character. You're not, it's never set anywhere else. So there's no reason you wouldn't assume that. And uh, so, again, the sheriff being mystified by the very existence of a shark and needing it explained <laughs> to him by some young college whippersnapper. Sure doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever, no. but, uh, but yeah, they also go with a tiger shark here, which I don't know if you know anything about sharks, that's kind of a strange choice. That's just like a normal shark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like they're not big enough to eat people, but yeah. it, you know, mostly I think, I think they can get aggressive sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's an odd choice. It's also weird because they have like scenes of tension where people are like literally in waste deep water and it's like the shark's coming for them it's like how big is this shark meant to be if yeah. he's coming for he's them there he's gonna fucking bottom out this <laughs> <laughs> is like you're gonna be a beach shark it's and a we did of, also not stuff. mention that the shark is a, a military experiment gone awry oh that's right because yeah. yeah, it <laughs> opens with like underwater footage with like these guys securing a shipwreck and it turns out this shipwreck is was was a ship that wrecked that's carrying a top secret shark that was bred to kill, which is a tiger shark. They also clarify as maybe all tiger sharks are actually a government psyop. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it was incredible. a ship that wrecked in the last shark, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably contained canisters of a film that Matei took, took to himself. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I, I don't even know. There's, there, Great movie, great movie. Five stars. Just, just, just watch it. Watch it. And yeah, also yeah, the funny thing is too. I watched the regular version, but there's actually an extended cut of this movie with even more stolen footage <laughs> and violence. Because if you buy the Severn Blu-ray, there's a, a thing called the Snyder Cut, which is like the Japanese cut of Cruel Jaws that has yeah additional stolen footage. So there you go. Um, that is incredible to know. That's like, I mean, and honestly, he could steal from any movie in this. Like, fuck it. Like, anything said at the beach, he could just steal from, he should steal from, like, Castellari's, like, Nightmare Beach and just throw in, like, a uh, killer motorcycle subplot. Like, hell, Blue why Lagoon. not? It would fit. Why <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. not? for Blue Lagoon. Uh, yeah, I, but yeah, buy this movie, watch this movie. God, fucking fire up Tubi right now. This is worth your time. I mean, me. maybe go it's, with uh, Tubi. I, the, the question is, who is getting paid for this Blu-ray? Because uh, I hope it's not the estate of, of Bruno Mattei. I hope it is. He earned it. He really earned it. <laughs> no, I, I think 100%. You know, I mean, he he repurposed the footage and he he looked at Deep Blood and like we looked at Deep Blood and we we're like, this movie kind of sucks. Where he's like, oh man, yeah. I can make a good movie out of this. He's got a real so, fair use I mean, claim. It's, it's transformative work. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody should be getting paid for this, it's probably like John Williams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he needs the fucking scratch. I am amazed that Disney didn't have like algorithms like scanning every file online for copyright material. They didn't just find like it's just the Star Wars too. It like it plays the like iconic part and then it just kind of meanders off into something different. But there's like oh, a yeah. good 15 seconds of it there. That's just like I guarantee I guarantee if you uploaded this movie to YouTube, it would get taken down by YouTube. But I guess because it's on <laughs> Tubi and Blu-ray, no one's gotten around to it uh, somehow. Somehow, because yeah, YouTube wouldn't even it wouldn't be taken down like no one would have to take punitive action. It would just like the, the score is too close that it would just immediately flag some robot to come and rip it off the Internet. 
Yeah. I would love to talk to someone from Severn about this too, just to figure out like, how do, how do you get this movie? Cause it really feels like they just put it out and they were like, you know, let's just see what happens. And if anybody says anything, we'll pull it and pretend like we didn't know any better. Clearly that's not the case, but I, I just, I don't know how you get the rights to this. It doesn't make any sense to me. So there we are. Anyways, uh, we got to wrap stuff up. So uh, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Yeah, uh, I'm going to put over another dumb cartoon. Um, I was kind of uh, going through some of the stuff that HBO Max is, uh, you know, doing good things with. Just just being a, a good company, this new Discovery Warner, and, uh, you know, just nuking uh, tons of existing content out of existence. Now, I, I don't mean that they're cycling their catalog. I mean, that this is stuff that they produce, they own, and, and cannot be uh, broadcast elsewhere ever, really. Uh, and they're just, uh, deleting it. But, uh, yeah, so I watched this, uh, Aquaman King of Atlantis. It's just a, a little three-episode thing. It's very, uh, like, dumb Cartoon Network style, like, hijinks. Uh, and the animation is great, and it's just very energetic and a lot of fun and not, uh, remotely serious. Uh, so check that out. Uh, I mean, you can't, but, uh steal it you know i, I guess that's uh, really your only option or maybe rent it from some shit. source pull a bruna mate and and just steal it that's what we've yeah, all learned say from it's this. yours uh you could probably <laughs> rent it from itunes or something to to give the you know support the artist uh which generally i'm i'm pro piracy but maybe in this instance since since they're already being completely uh decimated by corporate malfeasance then uh throw them a few bucks <laughs> No. Uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? I'm going to put over a nice short thing, kind of a cult classic, but for some reason I never got around to it previously. I'm going to put over Heavy Metal Parking Lot, which I, I just caught this week. It's only like 17 minutes long, made for like cable in the 80s, and just two guys who just brought a camera and a microphone to a parking lot before a Judas Priest concert and just talked to the people there. And it's very silly. I mean, it's just a bunch of like just incredibly drunk teens and 20 year olds just hanging out talking about how much Judas Priest kick ass and uh, very clearly not knowing Rob Halford is gay as uh, really funny in hindsight a lot of the commentary there uh, <laughs> but it's also like it's a snapshot of a time you know it's it's kind of fun it, it reminds me a little bit of you know you pair it up with maybe you know uh, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2 got yourself some good time it's fun to watch this now and realize that probably every single person they talked to voted for Donald Trump uh it's it's yeah it's it's one of those kind of weird little time capsule things it's kind of interesting so uh yeah check it out um i'm not sure what you it just got released in blu-ray by circle collective which you can pick up via vinegar syndrome and it's like a, a one-off run when it's sold out it's done and it's like a double disc edition with like five hours of everything the guys made um so i mean if you like heavy metal parking lot you can probably find it streaming somewhere online youtube honestly might have a copy of it for all i know you know uh, and if you like it check it out they you know they've got a lot of other follow-up footage and talking to the guys and stuff but hey you know it's 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 kind of fun it's you know maybe you're just into heavy metal so you know you're among your own people who knows <laughs> that's a good put over um well aside from putting over the the guy in the kilt with the thin blue line batman uh I, i'm also gonna put over 
Uh, a little movie. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I finally got around to watching Top Gun Maverick, and it's fucking good. Uh, which it, it's it's bizarre that at this stage of his career, Tom Cruise is just like on another level. Uh, it's also kind of fun because surface level, yeah, it's just basically American military like jerk off propaganda, but also it, it's like the whole movie is designed around being a giant metaphor for. Tom Cruise's career and and his decline and how everyone's like, oh, you're too old. You shouldn't be doing these things. And then he shows all those young whippersnappers that he's like, you know, the the king of the summer blockbuster. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think anyone else could pull off something this ego driven. But when you got the king of ego as your lead, it's, it's what you get. So Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it's I, I had zero expectations that it's incredibly fucking good uh unfortunately i would say there there's there's a real bad mustache in the movie that's that's a real downfall um that's uh what's miles teller not a person who should be growing facial hair but other than that i really don't have any complaints so well, i feel like uh, in yeah, the first in the original movie wasn't kelly gillis or just basically playing a beard i mean the whole movie's just homoerotic tension so they've downgraded oh, yeah. beard to a mustache Beer to almost yeah, and uh, it's there's there's a lot of a lot of cool gay football that goes on on the beach too. So um, yeah, it's fun. We keep the homoerotic tension. We replace the volleyball with uh, rippling pecs and and nice. I think it's now muscles. like the sixth highest grossing movie in history. Yeah, yeah, which is wild, but also it's it's good. And and God, what is it today? It's like basically the end of August. And this movie's been out for how fucking long? At least a month, if not longer. Longer, I, I yeah. don't know. And when I went there, it's not like the theater was empty. It was probably like a quarter full. And there was like three dudes there in like homemade Top Gun t-shirts, which is like, what are you, how many times have you seen this, you little fucking freaks? Uh, but yeah, people are crazy about it. And it's good. It delivers, especially if you're a fan of like Mission Impossible movies and stuff like that. I think the thing that really drives it home for me is it, it just... The uh, the flight sequences are amazing. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what's CGI, what's a, a practical effect, you know, because I know, obviously, the American military was deeply involved in the creation of this film, but it looks great. It really does. And um, just a, another reason for me to hate Marvel movies more and more each day. So. All right. Well, if you are listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. You can click on a link. That's in the description, and when you click on that link, well, it'll take you to our, our Patreon page, and you can give us money. And why would you give us money? Well, when you give us money, a couple things will happen. One, no matter how much money you give us, if you live in the continental United States, I'm going to send you a movie from my personal fucking collection. How great is that for you? And also, uh, if you donate at a higher level, why you get additional perks? So... For instance, this episode is from a Patreon poll, and our, our $5 subscribers, $5 and higher, got to vote on what, what kind of content we were going to do for this week, and they chose Spaghetti Sharks, so asking you shall receive. Also, if you donate at an even higher level, you can actually choose an episode, and uh, I think we just, we just got our, another $20 uh, donation person, so uh, they're going to they're gonna pick something for us. God knows what it is. I hope it's hentai. Um, who knows? Or it's just like an on-site episode where we finally take Myros to the firing range. What do you think about that, Myros? Uh, I mean, with the Joker gun? 
With the Joker gun, yeah, firing range Joker gun. Uh, sure, that seems like a spectacle. I, I thought we were being clear, I thought we were gonna, we, we have to buy Adam a gun, but we're not furnishing the ammunition. Yeah, that's true. We don't have an ammunition. Like, well, we, don't we, we have... give you that at the firing range? I mean, isn't that what, part you of you like just the... walk in? You go yeah. to a paintball field? What? <laughs> I think that is exactly what happens. You go in and you pay him some money to fucking get, get some ammo and shoot at a target. You don't BYOB? I thought it was a, a you provide your own bullets here. I think in, in many instances, you don't even provide your own gun. I think they, they just kind of have all that stuff. That I mean, it's definitely an option, but I mean, if you're bringing the Joker gun in, I don't know what kind of ammunition that's even going to take. I'm kind of bullets. A, a revolver ammunition, whatever that is. Well, that's not much mm. of a punchline. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's not a joke, Jack. It's a real gun. <laughs> yeah, it's a real gun. Joker guns are real, okay? We figured it out. I googled it, and I found out that the Joker gun is real. So, uh, we're, we're finally going to Jokerify Adam Myros. We just, we're getting there. Thank you for your continued donations. I just want to say we have had a, a significant uptick in patrons uh, since our, our, you know, quest to get Adam Myros a firearm. And we appreciate that you want Myros to have a gun as much Jesus as we Christ. do. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's correlation and causation. Those are the same thing, right? Um, so, yeah, by the way, we should, we should read off our $5 up patrons. We have Ryan, Evan, Dustin, CWW, Paula, and our newest patron, Kofax Kropotkin. Yeah, shout out Kofax. You think uh, it might be who, Bruno Mattei working under a pseudonym? I, I'm it sure it is be. a pseudonym of some sort, but uh, we can only hope it's Bruno himself. I, yeah, I, I hope it's Bruno. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, he's dead, but the ghost of Bruno, at least. Do you have a son? Um, I mean, they, that nepotism <laughs> runs the Italian film industry. We could have. Uh, I imagine Bruno I know, could he, die and steal someone else's body. I bet. He, I bet Bruno's got a lot of illegitimate children, <laughs> or maybe he's, he stole a few over the course of his life. Who knows? Anyways, uh, yeah. If if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, anything of that nature, please email us optimismvaccine at gmail uh, we've got some, got some nice emails lately. Uh, and, and you know what, even if you're not, you can, you can pay and have anything you want, or you can send us suggestions too. If you're like, Hey, you should really do this. We are open to suggestions. A lot of people think we know everything and have everything planned out for years in advance, but you might be shocked to know that, uh, we're we idiots. <laughs> we're idiots. We're huge fucking morons and, and just <laughs> slacker we, piles we of shit. Cut this out. No, this we can't. No peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing great here, guys. We're doing great. We're really, we're really together. Our lives are good. Anyways, uh, yeah. So do you do that, or you can tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. We'd love to hear from you. And I think I think that wraps up Spaghetti Sharks. So uh, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.